in there, perform and deliver. Respect, last game, Corda. It will be one sentence and I am responding. What a load of spin and nonsense. He has only challenged my personality and pointed out my gender. And cop on a small bit, Taoiseach. Welcome to the Polling Station podcast with Neve and Amy, where each week we try to make politics a little bit easier to grasp. This week, we're going to be looking into the housing crisis, which has re-emerged into the political fore over the past two weeks. Um, in the midst of the COVID pandemic, we've somehow done a complete U-turn back to housing and we're back here again. <laughs> did we ever did we ever really leave? <laughs> like, did we ever really leave? But yeah, here we are back again on the same buzz for 10 years but she's back in the news again front and center after covid taking the spotlight for the last year she's back so essentially why it's back in the news is that the sunday business post had written an article nearly two weeks ago that that investment funds were buying up a large amount of houses in housing estates essentially in minute in county clare which is just down the road for me but basically they had bought the majority of them and the first time buyers were just locked out of it they weren't able to buy it and this kind of then blew up into a big news story and everyone was like why are these investment funds coming in buying up entire housing estates new developments like these aren't around for a while new gorgeous houses i've driven past them when i'm going to move they are actually fab but they're being brought up by these investment funds in the midst of a housing crisis when so many people cannot buy a first-time home and like this isn't like a new thing either it's been reported in the media like before as well but it just really caught um yeah, I think probably the fact that we're coming out of the COVID-19 crisis and young people have been, you know, disproportionately hit by unemployment, by other economic factors. And now they're being continued to be locked out of a housing market by um, investment funds that have been supported by tax legislation in Ireland. And these investment funds or REITs, as they're called, real estate investment trusts, this is not a new thing. Like this has been around for a while. Like Amy said, like this was brought in in the Fine Gael Labour government. So not even when Fine Gael had the minority government, when they were propped up by Fianna Fáil back in 2016. We're going back to 2011. And kind of the purpose behind this, it was brought in by then Minister for Finance, Michael Noonan. It was kind of basically the property and housing market had been completely decimated by the boom. Crash. Literally. And this was a way to kind of, to reignite it or I suppose just kind of, Mm-hmm. hopefully get more people back into it exactly because we were in the era of like it seems mad now thinking about it but like ghost estates you know like there is nobody buying up property there is no movement going on in it at all so they were like hey this is a good way to generate interest and movement in the Irish property market so what we're basically going to do is we are going to give tax reliefs to um, like Neva saying their REITs or the Cuckoo Funds and These tax reliefs are basically (laughs) to get technically taxed about it. You, when you buy real estate in Ireland and you sell it on, you have this thing that happens to you called capital gains tax. Now, capital gains tax is basically a tax that is put on any like growth in value of the investment that you make. So it's your profit, basically. And how it normally works is like, Let's say, Neve, you buy a house for a hundred thousand. Oh, got your house. The dream. Stunning. Imagine buying a house. We can't. Why? Because of the tax. And you buy your house in this magical land where we can buy houses for a hundred thousand. And then in a couple of years, you're like, hey, I'm going to sell my house. You sell your house for like 
250,000. What will happen then to you is capital gains tax will go on the difference between what you bought it and what you sell it for. So in this case, it's like that 150 in between. That'll be taxed at 33%, which is 49,500. 49,500. And the government will take that and it will leave you with the remaining 100,000. 100, no, 100. Yeah, 100. I'll leave you with the remaining. My math's not good. But it basically leaves you with the remaining. What happens with these REITs, which is real estate investment trusts and cuckoo funds, is basically they don't pay any of that capital gains tax. That this legislation that they brought in in 2012 means that they don't pay that. And they don't even need to pay corporation tax, which is what Ireland is quite famous for having a very low amount of. And corporation tax is just a tax put on companies' profits. We are a tax haven. Yeah, we are a tax haven. So they don't need to pay corporation tax on any properties that they keep themselves and rent out. So there's they're basically paying no tax like whatsoever. And now there is this thing like which is very, very complicated, like tax legislation where individual investors that invest in these real estate investment trusts, they could potentially be taxed if they were residents in Ireland, which means that they live in Ireland for a certain period of time. But like basically they do that like never happens because they do everything in tax power for that to stop. So basically what this means is there's a load of properties being bought in a housing crisis by people who do not pay any tax here. So they are not putting like any money back into the economy through having these properties. All this money is being funneled into these like a lot of them are American companies and Ireland isn't seeing any of it and people are being locked out of the property market because of it. And it was actually released today that in 2019, six in 10 new houses were bought by these real estate investment trusts in 2019. Six in 10. I mean, 60%. What? It's just, um, I don't know. I think it's just, it, it's, it, it's, you can see why it broke the news and people are, you know, freaking out that they can't buy. I think everyone has a story. It's unfortunate that everyone has a story and people often think that this is just maybe a Dublin issue or a greater Dublin area issue, but it's not. It seems to be impacting the entire country. Like I actually remember last year at the election and Amy and I were discussing this and I was like, oh my God, housing, like this will definitely be the number one issue. But you were saying like as someone from Sligo, it wasn't as like, obviously times have changed now. We're in a pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. the need, obviously the supply for housing is increasing year upon year. But absolutely, Amy, you said back then like, it wasn't, it's not as, it's not as. No, like you're talking about somewhere like Sligo. Like I come from just outside Sligo Town. Sligo Town is somewhere that has never recovered from the recession, point blank. It's never recovered. There is limited job, entry-level job opportunities there for young people. So a lot of young people actually leave Sligo for the kind of early part of their career. So that they, if they want to return, they're in more mid-management stuff. So there isn't a housing crisis there because people are actually leaving the region. And, but that's like because the government hasn't invested in regionalization, which is like another issue entirely. But yeah, like it's just not an issue down there because young people are leaving there. I think and when you find out that you have these investments who are meant to come in and regenerate the market, but then in fact, they're actually dominating the market. And you see people being priced out of homes. Like I think countless di- different media outlets have, been, have had countless stories 
there was an op-ed written by Dr. Rory Hearn in, in the journal.ie and it had over nearly 130,000 views with regard to housing because he's a lecturer with regards to housing and he's been quite vocal mm-hmm. in, op- in opposition mm-hmm. to what the government is proposing. So it's really, it's a lot of issues as well, especially as well when you're looking at people, millennials and also our gen, like the Gen Z or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. Call us. When you see people are coming up into their 30s now, they're not going to be able to afford a house at the rate they're going. And it's it's just a little concerning. And like even today, there's a new study the ESRI released. There's a stark contrast from people born in the 1960s and the 1980s who are reaching the age of 30 years old and are able to buy a house. And, mm-hmm. and currently, if you're born in the 1980s, it's saying that apparently 32% of those who have reached the age of 30 were able to buy a home. 32%. That's in crazy and it's also i suppose what we're what we're looking at now is that we have the two main political parties who've always been in government are now it's just a a combination of their policies is just combusted into this huge crisis and it's quite a lot of people are commenting how like you know Fianna Fáil when they were in opposition just literally like in 2019 (laughs) and it's just very interesting and now you have who Dara O'Brien, who was the housing spokesperson for the opposition back then, is now the minister for housing, and he's putting in the implementations they're coming in are not, they're not coming in in the radical way that people would like. People on the left, people Sinn Fein, Social Democrats, Labour, mm-hmm. been strong, strongly have a, a, have opposed to the affordable housing, in, which we'll get into the nooks and the crannies of that. And it's it's very interesting as well from a Fianna Fáil point of view, in the sense that obviously they were. In, they had control for a vast part of the 20th century in the early years of the formation of the Irish state. And they were quite radical in their means of social housing. If you look oh. back in the 1960s, Dermot Ferriter was on Claiborne Live last night talking about how, you know, in a Christian Catholic Ireland, social justice must go along with that. And social housing now coming to Gael, which is obviously has, you know, progressed into what is now Fianna Gael, like mm-hmm. always had kind of like, leave it to the free market but for Fianna Fáil who have gone from you know oh. working for the working family to get a house get a pension they're far from that they now. were very much like a lot of people who would be from a Fianna Fáil family like a lot of people would le- like tie that back to well I got my house through Fianna Fáil I got it through their social housing initiatives like that is a lot of people that is why especially in more kind of like rural areas that's why they are Fianna Fáil supporters so it's just interesting to see and like the housing crisis is one of those things that like when you talk about it, I think people are like, what is causing it? What is the issue? And like, I think that's the really complicated thing about it is it's just years and years of you can call it bad, you can call it misled, you can call it whatever, because at the end of the day, politicians are just people. And they're just people making decisions Um, just years and years of really shitty policy decisions yeah. that haven't been reversed or corrected. No, I think like the policies brought in by by the Fine Gael Labour government have just not been I don't know why they haven't been reversed and this is not a simple issue like when Owen Murphy Mm -hmm. stepped down as a TD obviously he was questioned about his time as Minister for Housing which essentially you know it lost it lost him a cabinet position let's be honest absolutely you you can't it's such a fact it, it lost him a vocal voice within the Fine Gael party and he even said on Clare it's not a simple issue. There's many departments or even look at now with regards to the REITs and, you know, the tax ha- haven that this has been granted for REITs, the fact that they don't have to pay stamp duty as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and now it's it, this can't just be done by Dara O'Brien. This has to be done by Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue and Minister for Public Expenditure, Michal McGrath. So it's going to be an, you know, interdepartmental thing. But, but I suppose we need to look at what 
what is the government going to do? What are they going to propose about this? Like, obviously, they've said they're they've done numerous media interviews um, mm-hmm. where they're saying, oh, look, we're going to do this. We're going to sort this out. But like, when are they going to sort this out? What are their proposals to sort this, this out? And also, this is not new again. Like you said, Amy, 2019, you know, this is not, <laughs> I suppose, maybe, maybe it was just a public outcry again to what happened to Maynooth that kind of got the reaction and we're two weeks Mm -hmm. into the story and it's not so I think we need to look at like the affordable housing bill what it is and why what it is what why why are the opposition just not taken to it like we've seen Rebecca Boyd Senator Rebecca Moynihan is the Labour spokesperson for housing Mm -hmm. not not for it Keno Callahan is the Social Democrat spokesperson for housing not for it Ono Brin opposition he's been speaking about this for years not for it so not for it. kind of what's the main bits of the affordable housing bill because which Fianna Fáil which the government are saying is one of the most radical bills that's coming in like so it's like it, it is like she is a complicated beast because <laughs> I'm sitting here Neva see I'm sitting here my notes in front of me there's a lot of lines drawn there's a lot of stuff where I was trying to get my head around it which I just want to say I feel like a lot of the issue in Ireland, well, not a lot of the issue, I feel like this issue is perpetuated by the fact that we actually don't get a very good financial education in Ireland and people are conned by all these people coming in for investors, but I'll leave that there, just draw a line under that. But basically, the affordable housing bill, yes, it's the the cornerstone that's kind of been proposed for the government that they're going to tackle everything like this. Like, there has been it's been critiqued already by like you're saying Eve the ESRI who came out with that about that the millennials are now the first generation that are going to be less like not as well off than the previous generation they came out saying that they were very concerned about the affordable housing bill and it's because of its shared equity scheme so a shared equity is basically like a shareholder like if you're thinking about a house you're thinking about a shareholder it's basically that you give the government some of your house and basically this shared equity scheme involves the state paying up to 30 percent of the cost of a new house and it's intended to drive up home ownership now the ersi have stated that because of the lack of houses being built that this could actually drive prices up further in the market and you might be like okay why would that drive like house prices up and this is why So basically, under the Affordable Housing Bill, it's been approved by the Cabinet and everything like that. Under it, there are going to be caps. So a cap is obviously like a lid, a top amount, put on the prices of houses that you can buy under the shared equity scheme. Now, those prices differ depending on where you are. So in my home town of Sligo, the cap would be 225,000. That's the cap for it. But if we go to lovely Dublin... The cap for that in Dublin City and Dunleary, that is 450,000. That's what the cap is, which is in its own way, you could be like, is that just, you know, further perpetuating the regionalization that we see in Ireland? Perhaps, but that's what the cap's anyways. That's what that's that. And basically, when you apply for the scheme and you apply, it has to be under this cap and wherever you go, local authorities or what they're being called here is special purchase vehicles you might see them referred to in articles as spvs they are going to they're going to be jointly funded by the government and participating banks 
So the banks that have agreed to fund these, they're going to like go into it. And they're, so by these special proposed vehicle, which is basically the government and the banks, they're going to take the equity share of your house. Basically for this, you're going to pay a much lower interest rate on the repayments that you will be paying for the loan that you will get from the bank because of this. So this lower rate of repayments, uh, they're going to go to these like S. PVs, which are just SVP is made up of the bank and the government. But the maximum share that can be taken by these SVPs is based on the value of the house, which is subject to, the, to that cap that you put on it. So basically what that means is like, it's just all based on like the cap of your house, like how much equity that they would take of this. So like, let's say you're buying one in Sligo. The local authority, the SVP thing, would take equity in the property worth up to an amount of 45000 Then it would rise up in areas where it's like higher than that. So basically, the government is going to own more of your house in the higher regions. It's, it's very, so it's basically making it harder to buy houses where it's already hard. And it's just the fact that this is, Ireland is not the first country to ever bring in a shared equity scheme. No, no. <laughs> this is the thing. So it's not like, and you can see why the e, the ESRI and the central bank are concerned because a similar policy was brought in uh, in the UK. Exactly, and it drove up prices. And we also have to re- exactly. We also have to remember as well that over the over the past six months, we've seen huge developments in the Irish financial sector with the fact that we are seeing two banks leaving the market. So we're only going to have these two banks who are going in. There's no competition. We have Bank of Ireland and AIB. KBC and Ulster Bank are gone. This is not good. Like this is if you only have two compete two main banks. Like there's no other competing if there's no other fina- financial body who's willing to partake. I know people are talking about a community bank or on post like obviously that's a whole that's a whole different area in terms of but they would have to sign up to this. Like these banks have to sign up to it. And like what's even further locking people out, and this is an initiative under the central bank, which is meant to be like you were saying, Eve, monitoring competition, make sure it doesn't get crazy. There are still restrictions under the central bank on the type of loan that you can take in relation to the value of the property being bought. And for first time buyers, so like they need to provide at least a 10% deposit of the purchase price that you have. So... A first-time buyer cannot take out a mortgage that's worth more than 90% of the property that they're going to buy. And under the rules, and this rule obviously still applies in the shared equity scheme, meaning like people, like it's just crazy, like that like you have to, you have this thing that like you're like you are just being locked out again and again by people that you need 10% of the deposit still under the share equity scheme but the size alone that you can take out is based on the property that you don't own all of the property and you literally like it's it's just absolutely crazy it's like first time buyers basically availing of this equity scheme that are buying a house in their regional cap who have 10% of that deposit the local authority is taking like you know their share of it they'll still need to apply for a mortgage so they're still going to need to apply for the mortgage and there is still a thing now in the mortgage in the property like this annual enforcement under the central bank again where if you're a first-time buyer you can't borrow more than 3.5 times your salary or your combined salary if you're buying as a couple 
So that would mean a couple in like that's, that's crazy. Like, like to be in a couple. Like I've seen so many people yeah. on Twitter being like, "Let's do a rom com where I marry you to buy a house." And like oh. this is the thing. Like it's not geared towards it's- like news. Like literally, just like to over the past week, it's been published that a single person on a typical sal- salary could only buy a typical house in seven of the twenty six counties. Oh, like, like the difference crazy. over here is like if you're a Dublin couple and it's just like Dublin, not like Dublin City, you want to live in like the Dublin County and your house is like 315 grand and you need to take a mortgage out in that prop, pro, you need to take a mortgage out in that property, your annual income to combine is going to have to be 90 grand, which is just not possible. Like, because we're a first time buyer, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? Like, there's been count, like the CSO, like the Central Statistics Office are constantly publishing reports and like, you know, across Ireland, like the estimated median salary for 2020 was just over 38,000. So if you're looking about a 20, 20% deposit, you're, you're looking to, you can, with that salary, your property is going to be worth about 185,000 euro, which is far yeah. less than the median price of what, 250, 260K. And can I no. just add of the seven counties that you can buy a house, it's nowhere near where all the amenities are based in the country, which is obviously oh. heavily centralised in Dublin. But it's Cavan, Donegal, Leitrim, Longford, Mayo, Roscommon, and Amy's beautiful home county of Sligo. But like that's what you said, Neve. Like I have so many friends that wanted to stay in Sligo. Like they love Sligo. They did not want to come to Dublin. They don't want to work in these companies in Dublin, and they can't because there's no fucking job opportunities there. So you have to come to Dublin to get your fucking job where you can't buy any fucking place to live you're just bleeding money your entire time that you're a student and you're like a young professional I literally did write a calculation of how much rent that I've paid since I moved to Dublin and oh my god I could put down I would have enough from a deposit for one of these places it is criminal and nobody cares because everyone in the government this doesn't affect them and they're, so they're like oh let's oh let's just keep going with this like let's like no like this affordable housing bill it's just like when you break it down and when you do that like I if I wanted to get a house in Dublin now let's say with like any sort of partner or whatever I would need a mortgage of like 315 like I would like 315 grand I'd be taking out a mortgage of and I'd need like a combined one of 90 grand which I can assure you I do not have no. like it's just in and that's the that one of the issues we're going to have like is that people are going to be renting for their lives and this is like again another ESRI lovely report came out that's basically saying our generation so people in their 20s and 30s which is the majority of the people who listen to this podcast we will not be able to afford a house or be able to have a full pension that our parents or our grandparents aunts and uncles all that lovely Mm -hmm. jazz have been able to avail of the fact of the matter is rent has increased in Dublin by 85% since 2011 60 and then a further 67 percent in Mead, Kildare and Wicklow because obviously we're on the outskirts and there's people like there's people who want to live in Dublin people want to live in not like mm-hmm. the city centre but the county but they're p- being pushed out to areas like Dunboyne where I'm from to Manus like Kil- in Kildare to areas like Bray and Greystone because they're easily accessible to the city centre and also the fact like at one point Dunboyne was most was had the most expensive houses outside Dublin because it's, it's a 25 minute drive give or take into the city centre oh. with no traffic yeah, but you're paying yeah. house. You're paying prices that you would in Dublin, and I see around even where I'm living, houses are going up constantly. Like there's constant construction, but I suppose like there's just a lot of areas in the affordable housing bill that are just not. It doesn't make sense, and like 
it's just like all these things like when you actually break it down and the practicalities of it like you're still going to have to take out a whopping mortgage to pay this off to buy if you're getting like anywhere not in those seven counties that you mentioned Neve. you're still going to have to have a crazy income because that's that central bank rule for it and you're still going to need to like take out a loan like that's like worth 10% of like the house and that you're like buying there's so many constraints on people and now Minister Jared Byrne, he has defended the affordable housing bill, saying that the shared equity loan scheme, which is basically the encompassing word of that entire thing that we talked about there, would be a benefit to quote in theory, as it would facilitate borrowing for households that are currently constrained by the amount needed to finance a purchase. But when you actually look into it, in those other set, except in those seven counties, that's not really true. And if the government aren't at the same time making opportunities for young people that they can actually have stable employment in other counties in Ireland that are not Dublin, so they can actually buy these affordable houses, what it doesn't actually make any sense. It doesn't matter. Like people are going to be like, oh, you know, people. We've seen a lot of people in government say this is not ideology. I think it's okay to like if you're in a position to say this is not ideology, that's fine. But this is affecting people. Not it's not affecting just shit. Like this is not exclusively affecting no. Fine voters, Social Democrats, Labour's Green. This is affecting Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil voters as well. And this is the fact. And I just want to go back to the REITs really, really quickly because at the moment they're able to buy bulk buy anything under the affordable housing bill. You know. Estates will need to allow not te- they're increasing from ten percent to twenty percent for social housing, which they're saying is extremely radical. But as pointed out, the REITs can still come in and buy eighty percent of that housing estate. So you have twenty percent for people for social for social housing, and and then a- they can still bulk buy. So it's not stopping it, you know, and there's meant to be a housing for all bill. We saw a government representative talking about this on primetime with Sarah McInerney. That's not going to be mm. announced until July. So many people know people who are in their late 20s, early 30s, or they're a married couple or an engaged couple or a single mm-hmm. person. They've moved back to their childhood home because yeah. they just can't afford it. It's really hurting this government. Like it's hurt like politically. I think it's across the board. Like this is, you know, it, it just has not fared out well for them. We even saw last week, you know, in the Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael parliamentary parties, there's constantly leaks and they're yeah. really, really angry all the TDs because well the TDs maybe like the backbencher TDs you know we saw James La- uh, James Lahart of Fianna Fáil he's Dublin Southwest he you know really vocal saying that this is really going to hurt us that it is and you see mm-hmm. Fianna Gael have the same concerns He's absolutely right, because even like I think to like my own, like again, not to harp on about Sligo, but I think back to like my own kind of like what my family would traditionally like vote, like my mum's a primary school teacher, my granny was a primary school teacher, my dad was a businessman, like we are like Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael's target, do you know what I mean? And now my mum has had to bring up four kids that are never going to be able to afford their own house Mm. because we're four. We've no inherited wealth, so we're never going to inherit anything. And she's like, what the hell? Number one, she's like, what the hell? Because she's like, I have four adult children that are never going to be able to afford anywhere. Four adult children are like, what the hell? We're not going to vote for them. Because like you said, Neve, since the crash in 2009, Policy after policy, whether it be the vulture funds coming in and buying it, whether it be the buy to let scheme that they introduced in 2009, whether it be any of that, policy after policy has just made this crisis worse. And it's always either been 
Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael at the helm of it and they haven't revoked and even when one of them has come into the government even when they've been complaining about what the other one's done there hasn't been any sort of real substantial change in the tactic that is kind of it, it's a it's a property market for investment that's what the Irish property market is targeted to it's for investment and it's not for people to actually afford a house a home to but live in it's just the fact Amy, that you said that like once what is in government what is in opposition <laughs> they're blaming and we Dara, <laughs> Dara O'Brien he did he did an interview with 61 News in 2019 and this mm. is and he's talking ex- literally about REITs about cuckoo funds and this is what, exactly mm-hmm. what he had to say they have the most advantageous uh, tax uh, system here in Ireland right now and that was brought in by the last Fine Gael Labour government the Finance Act 2013 to incentivise them to come into the market. What's happening is these funds and better known as cuckoo funds are actually taking homes out from uh, under the noses of young families and individuals who are trying to get on to to the property ladder. So yeah there we go just a while ago I just I think on that point I think Labour had the biggest clap back it was just political I just found political genius I understand people have issues with Labour and you can understand yeah. why. But yeah. So Senator Rebecca Moynihan, who, as I said earlier, is our housing spokesperson, basically announced last week that the Labour Party are going to reintroduce Dara O'Brien's old bill, own bill, excuse me, word for word from 2019 in order to allow 30% of housing estates to go to first time buyers. This is what he brought in. So I mean, it's just, it's pure it's genius <laughs> like that is i think that like obviously you've seen like that's one of the best political clapbacks i've seen mm-hmm. from the opposition because they're literally using his own words but just like it i just really want to kind of emphasize how much like this political impact it's gonna have and like the, you know they're aware like the parliamentary parties are aware that this is gonna have huge issues like james laharsh who i'm probably mispronouncing his name laharsh he was saying that he'd be marching if it wasn't for COVID and the restrictions. He'd be there marching with young people, you know. And then there's also a Senator Sean Keane from Galway said it's going to be difficult to, to regain the votes of people in their 20s and 30s if action isn't changing. And, you know, Pascal who has said that it, it's a describing act and he doesn't support the funds coming in and purchasing properties like that have already built. But there's just a lot of a lot of things that need to be done. And like, look, if you're going to do it, great. I mean, it should have been done, you know, but like it needs to be done, but it's kind of like the acceleration at which is this going to be done and no one's giving really a timeline. It's kind of like over the span of this government. It's exactly. It's the same with the amount of social housing being built. Social housing, apparently there's going to be 6,000 homes over the next four years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's not 6,000 homes or 8,000 homes per per year is what Sinn Féin is proposing. It's 6,000 homes over four years. So you're kind of looking mm-hmm. like at the acceleration of this. Like it's, it's just very, I think Kira Phelan, she was on Clever and Live. She said people are deciding whether they want to buy a house or have a child because the, oh. the costs are just so monumental. It's it's huge. And even like when you think like, like you're saying, Neve, like it's just any kind of, like any sort of policy that Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil has implemented, like it's always seemed to be paying lip service to the crisis. Like even like in the Fine Gael-led government in 2011, up to today's coalition with Fianna Fáil, they've allowed rents basically to increase year after year. We've all seen it. I live it every damn day of my life. And the government only put a rent cap in 2016 and they put it at 4%. But 
if you look into it, would you believe 4% is the rate of return that investment funds seek to get? So they're basically, even when they're doing policies that, you know, it's like, oh, we're putting the caps on rent. See, we're doing this for you guys. They are still appeasing and making sure that those investment funds are getting the returns in their investment that they seek. And it's just like, it's like, it is good that they are realizing the that they're going to lose votes for this. But I don't think it should take that. Like, it's like people are really, really, really suffering from it. Like, in a way that, like, complete families are going to be locked out for generations because of this, if this isn't dealt with. It's insane. People obviously will care about their constituents, but if there are some people who are just doing it to get political gain, it is going to be disappointing. Mm -hmm. But you think even, like, the ministers who are Dublin who are Dublin TDs, before they're even ministers, Catherine Martin, Eamon Ryan, Roderick O'Gorman, Leo Varadkar, Tara O'Brien, Pascal Donoghue. Like, that's six out of the cabinet. I could be missing one or two. I can't think off the top of my head. They're the only six. But you know, they're all Dublin-based TDs. They're like, you know, like you think you're considered. So they would have to see it as well. And I think everyone is aware as well. Like this housing issue is just, it's a domino effect. And you see when people can't buy houses, rent goes up because people are looking to rent places because they can't buy. That's why rent has increased by the over by nearly 85% in Dublin. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why people can't, that's why people are being, you know, there's just so many different issues you have like, and it's just, it's going to be really big. It's just going to be the, the number one issue. And Michal Martin came out and said that this post pandemic will be the number one issue. So I hope that they do take this on and be like, no, this will be the number mm. one issue because while it's bad in Dublin, it's also getting very expensive in Galway and Cork, the two other huge Absolutely. cities. My sister, when she's looking for accommodation for college in Galway, it might as well be Dublin prices, quite frankly, at the rate it's going, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not far off. And I can only imagine that Cork is the same. So it's just, it needs to be dealt with. But I suppose kind of like what we're doing, like, and there does seem to be very little like cross-party work because the opposition will, I don't know it just doesn't seem to be they just can't come together even just to try and get the 6,000 social house I know it's probably not enough but it's just there doesn't seem to be any alliance you know and I think as well we see often as well that the government will always say that Sinn Féin have voted against social housing and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people you know that's back to the Oscar Trainer land that you know Dublin City Council voted on and you know they yeah. they kind of just I suppose basically based, that deal was with regard to Oscar Trainer land it's public land so it's owned by the state it's in the northwest city of Dublin Ono Brains um, constituency yes and basically it was vote, 48 voted against and 14 voted in favour the parties who voted to block it independent councillors Sock Dems Green Party Sinn Féin and People for Profit while all Fianna Gael back the plans because they wanted the deal that there would be, you know, it'd be public housing on public land, not private housing on public land. And that's why, and that's what the government are saying when they say Sinn Féin are opposing to it. That's one of the policies that they're talking about. And there's been quite a lot of backlash. You've seen Councillor mm-hmm. David McManus from South Dublin County Council. He's spoken quite openly about how Sinn Féin are voting against it. And look, people can say, look, that is a stop in get- houses getting built. But yeah, I suppose like... like- 
they were saying like it's going to take them another five years to negotiate a similar deal to get like you know property put on that land but that's like a similar deal with a private property developer similar to the one like that they rejected there and like yeah it's just I think you know people are kind of like I think in Ireland there's a big misconception even on on around like what social housing the definition of social housing is and I think certainly the affordable housing bill I think it was named very strategically and (laughs) that it was kind of to like lend itself maybe slightly into that misconception maybe that's very cynical of me I'm a very cynical person so yeah yeah it's just I think what we're looking for is like what can be done now like yeah. what what are the solutions and I suppose like more affordable housing is obviously needed more social housing is needed and there's mm-hmm. also like I think one of the more successful like initiatives that have been brought out is the O'Coolan project it was basically yes you know the O'Coolan co-housing alliance was you know set up in 2015 basically looking at housing a rent-to-buy scheme essentially the O'Coolan plot was basically it was you know affordable and cost rental homes that were that were developed not for profit and they've mm-hmm. been a roaring success and they you know they seem I think more initiatives like that seem to be on we also like the issues of rent cap I know the opposition have been calling for rent freezes obviously we mm-hmm. had that during the various lockdowns we've had and now mm-hmm. they've been lifted obviously with the kilometer yeah, radius the 5k limit yeah so I, that's what the opposition are calling for a rent freeze but then the opposite like the government will say that this this will drive out you know more private landlords and so on so it's such a complex issue and I understand like we're only like delving into a bit of it but it's just I think Mm -hmm. and I think the other thing that people are pointing at is like a lot of this problem is based on the taxation system that we have here and I can I think there's been arguments made and for and against through the corporation um tax that we have here and even though it's very, very low and there has been cases brought against it, you could argue that, you know, there are people being employed by it. Money is going back into the economy. They can't be the same said for um, rentier. So, like, there has been calls for the government to remove the real, the real estate uh, investment trust tax break, which is what's causing these REITs to come in to introduce a foreign purchase tax rate, uh, to implement vacant home tax rate, to introduce property speculation tax rate in high housing needs, which is basically trying to make to stop housing becoming an investment which is a difficult mindset to turn especially when a lot of people were encouraged to buy houses as an investment after the crash and kind of use them as their pension now the government needs to try and change people's mindset that like a housing is not something that's like a long-term investment where you need like three or four of them and that these real estate trusts need to be taxed and we need to see if they're going to be here we need to see the benefits of them being here and yeah I think a lot of what it comes down to Ireland I think tax I think tax makes people move Mm. (laughs) it's not cool but I think it does you know make a difference in that people will react when they're not um, financially benefiting off a situation, which is shit. Like that's the way it is, but that is often the way that policies and politics work. It's not going to go away. I think it will be the four issue. It'll be one of the main issues of this government, and obviously along with like the hand, you know, handling of the COVID nineteen pandemic. But mm-hmm. I just think as well, I think on the foot of the e- the SRI report coming out that Absolutely. people in their twenties and thirties will not be able to have a a pension or be a house in comparison to their previous generations. Mm -hmm. I just think like that's where you need to. And that's where, because we've seen 
you know, polls, obviously polls are subject to critique and there is youth wings in every political, you know, in most political parties, Absolutely. including yeah. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. So they obviously, Gael, very active ones. They yeah. have a very strong support in young people. But statistically speaking and looking at polls, this is why, you know, if young people who are already voting more left wing, in particular with Sinn Féin, who are the leading opposition party, you just wonder what it's going to do. And I don't Absolutely. know. So I, where it will lead us, especially the next election, unless they get their act together. And also, is Dara O'Brien going to, you know, maintain the housing portfolio when Leo Varadkar comes along? Like, who's going to, like... Who's going to... Uh, another, another like, has that been agreed with the government? I, I haven't heard of it. I don't know, have you, Neve? Are they going to continue on with the affordable housing bill, especially if it's getting this backlash from, like, not only, like, voters, but also, like, the Economic and Social Research Institution itself? Like, will they keep it on? It's... Uh, I don't know, like, do not know. It'll just be interesting because I think we've seen like, yes, okay, I understand if you want to leave it up to the free market, but not to the fact that we have another housing crisis, another crisis that could see generations emigrating abroad, Mm -hmm. not because of an economic Uh, recession, but because of housing crisis that they can't settle down. (laughs) And you know what? Not everyone's going to want to settle in Ireland. That's totally fair. But people do want to settle because... It's people's home. <laughs> yeah. And like like you were saying, Eve, like there's so much like Ireland has one of the youngest population in Europe. Like if this isn't dealt with, there's gonna be so much knock on effect where like people can't have their pensions. What's that gonna do for healthcare here? What's that gonna do for taxation here? Like when people are taxed, like there's so much there's so so much of a knock on effect here. It's really hard to even quantify it that the government really, 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 really need to tar- start taking seriously and like like I've said, like the whole time, like politicians, they're just people. I don't, like, certainly don't believe in sending any certain politician hate or giving out to anybody because they're just people like you and me. But if you feel strongly about this issue, I would urge every person to email their TD, let them know that you are thinking about this, let them know that this is a concern from you. That's what TDs respond to, like, quote, the ESRI like survey like let them know quote some stuff you learned about in this podcast like let them know that this is an issue that you care about and that we are listening to what they're saying and what they're doing um, and hopefully it'll be something that you know after of course the COVID crisis is a monster in itself but the housing crisis has been made worse during COVID so hopefully it's something that the government will address after it this is something like no one wants anyone to fail at this because it benefits no. everyone if people succeed Absolutely. in providing housing and providing affordable housing and making sure that first time buyers have access to houses in which they you know want to live. That if you work hard, pay your taxes, do as you know what you were told to do for your life, you will be able to afford a house and you, and you will be provided mm-hmm. a pension when you retire. Obviously, it's going to be older now because people are living longer. But you know what I mean? No one wants to see this fail. No one wants, and like, nobody wants to see governments fail. Nobody wants to see policies fail. What we do want to see is accountability. What we do want to see is action. What we do want to see is a government that's not just reactive, but proactive. That's what we want to see. And that's what we want to be like pushing and driving for. And like, that's what I would encourage everybody to use their voice to like shout, to say, to talk to your representatives, councillors, 
anyone that you can talk to to let them know that this is something that concerns you this is something you are thinking about and to get like a bit of fire under their bums do you know mm. what I mean like and like the, it is there like you were saying Eve. it is there but Irish politics has a tendency to jump on to the next topic we as a public as well have a tendency to forget and yeah it's just it's just yeah it's look- just about like like Amy said, if there's any, like, not just with housing, but any political issues, you contact your mm-hmm. DDs and counsellors. Like, that's what they're there for. I know some people, yeah. they can be often disassociated, but that's what you're there for. And look, we've quite a number of years until we even get to a local election. You know, we still have, like, mm-hmm. better than three or four years until that. So look, yeah. but I, you know, at the end of the day, if this if this is your, if you're a single voter issue, you know, take take your issue to the polls. That's what I say. The poll, like, yeah, it's very important. I've, I'm sorry. Yeah. That'll be another episode I'll get into on why voting is so important. <laughs> really, I'm very passionate. But I'm just saying, like, this is an issue. And obviously, you know, this is in COVID. People want to get vaccinated. People want their parents vaccinated. That's completely mm-hmm. fair. But this is something that's not going to go away. I thought it would be gone within a week from the news cycle. It's not. We're still here. Yeah. We're talking about it. It's been still being talked about on national media outlets. And it's not going away. So I just think, look, if anyone has any questions as well, that or anything we can help but we're not experts but we try our best or if you want if you want to talk to us about a story that you've been impacted by in terms of housing if you've had to move back home or anything like that just let us know because we'll pop a few resources up on the our link tree and in the instagram and twitter of stuff you know like to help if it's something you've been impacted by uh to help like if you want to write a letter to your dd we'll definitely do that but yeah like let us let us know like anything we can do well, so that's all for this week. Don't forget, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at The Polling Pod. And don't forget as well, we have new episodes out every week. Anyway, until next week. Bye. Bye.